Hello, everyone. This is Father Bill Nicholas, and this is Faith, Hope, and History. Greetings and welcome, everybody. It is Friday, December 24th, 2021, and it is Christmas Eve. On the church calendar, it's Christmas Eve 2022 because we began a new year with the first Sunday of Advent, and as I always like to say, we got a six-week head start on the rest of the world on the new year. But the calendar date is December 24th, 2021, and it was on this day in 1294 that Boniface VIII was made Pope. It was on this day in 1776 that at 2 p.m., American patriots, led by General George Washington, began their historic crossing of the Delaware River. In 1814 on this day... The Treaty of Ghent ended the War of 1812, and in 1905, Howard Hughes was born in Houston, Texas. In 1914, conservationist John Muir died in Los Angeles, while in 1943, Dwight Eisenhower was made the supreme commander of all Allied forces in the Second World War, particularly the European War against Nazi Germany. But this weekend, we remember the birth of Christ as we celebrate him on December 25th, and I think it's worth noting the important events that happened on that day, some of which were very much turning points in our history. In the year 800, on December 25th, Pope St. Leo III crowned Charles the Great Emperor of the Romans. We know him now as King Charlemagne. In 1541, Michelangelo's last judgment was unveiled in the Sistine Chapel. And here at the cathedral, we have for the last couple of months and until January 1st, a special exhibit of the Sistine Chapel uh, images. And uh, we've had a number of people who have gone through here, and it has been real uh, pleasure for me on occasion to just walk through to see these life-size images of the Sistine Chapel. However, Michelangelo's last judgment, for obvious reasons, is not life-size, but it is one of the ex uh, exhibits that we have here at the cathedral in San Francisco. It was on this day in 1821 that Clara Barton, a Civil War nurse and founder of the Red Cross, was born in Oxford, Massachusetts. And isn't that interesting? On Christmas Day, the angel of the battlefield, Clara Barton, who founded the American Red Cross, was born. An appropriate day for a woman of that stature. And when people talk about great women in US history, very few people I hear bring up Clara Barton. But of course, in 1776, Washington's crossing of the Delaware was completed on Christmas Day. And it was completed by 3 a.m. And he eventually attacked a Hessian regiment at Trenton, New Jersey, bringing about a turning point in the war. So we see two turning points that occurred on this day. The turning point of the crowning of Charlemagne as Emperor of the Romans brought in a new era in history. And a turning point in the American War for Independence, when Washington crossed the Delaware, starting today and concluding on Christmas Day. And of course, we know the long-term result of the War of Independence of the United States and of the country we have today. With all its struggles, with all its sins, with all its absolutions, we continue to be a great country celebrating freedom. And as a nation, we still celebrate Christmas. And Christmas is that great turning point that we celebrate, the day that Jesus was born in the manger. The Word became flesh. The eternal Word of God became flesh in Jesus Christ, and the world has never been the same again. Today, 
The gospel reading for December 24th every year is the Canticle of Zechariah. After Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, who had been struck dumb by the angel Gabriel, now has his tongue loosened and he speaks praising God. The first thing he says is, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. That's an important first line of an important prayer focused on the birth of John the Baptist and anticipating the birth of Jesus. God has come to his people and set them free. This is a day of freedom as the Messiah is born into the world and as we celebrate that birth. Now, I know, I know, a lot of people like to say that, well, it really not is the actual date of Jesus' birth. I was watching a, a video log of a family, a homesteading family, going on and on about why Christians should not celebrate Christmas. And there are those Christian groups that believe that celebrating Christmas is a pagan holiday and that we should not celebrate it. But even Christians, I'm surprised when they bring that up. But usually it's atheists who like to point out, well, all we are really doing is celebrating the winter solstice. And to which I simply answer, well, so what? You want to celebrate the winter solstice? Fine. Celebrate the winter solstice. I look forward to getting to your winter solstice cards and receiving your winter solstice presents. And you can put up your winter solstice lights and decorations and go ahead and celebrate the winter solstice. I, for one, will celebrate Christmas because Christmas, yes, does come from the winter solstice, but we are not celebrating the winter solstice. The history of that is the emperor of Rome, I believe it was Marcus Aurelius, declared a feast day on what was believed at that time to be the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, corresponding, of course, to the longest day of the year in June. And he declared a pagan celebration of the god of light because from that day on, being as the winter solstice, the light of the day would begin to grow longer until the longest day of the year in June. And, of course, not being a great fan of the Christian faith, he compelled everybody who are not subject any, to any exemption from Roman worship to engage in worship on that day. Well, not to be outdone by a pagan emperor, no matter how good a philosopher he may have been, and perhaps a little weary of endless persecutions, the church in its wisdom, instead of celebrating the birth of the light, celebrated the birth of the light that came into the darkness, which is the light of the world. And the light of the world is scriptural. We find that in the Gospel of John, in which Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And Christians have been celebrating ever since the birth of the light of the world, which is the birth of Jesus. And so, go ahead. When people say, this is nothing more than a celebration of the winter solstice, just look at them and say, so what? You can celebrate the winter solstice if you want. I will celebrate the birth of the light that broke the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And of course, that day corresponds with the birth of John the Baptist later on in June. June 24th is the day of the birth of John the Baptist. It's almost six months to the day from the birth of Jesus. And as we know in the scriptures, Elizabeth was in her sixth month when Mary received her message from the angel. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months to finish out Elizabeth's term until John the Baptist was born, and then she returned to her home. Mary returned to Nazareth. So there's a six months difference between the birth of Jesus and the birth of John the Baptist. So if we are going to celebrate the birth of Jesus close to when the light of the day starts getting longer because the light of the world has now come into the world, how appropriate is it to celebrate the birth of John the Baptist six months later, and yes, corresponding with the summer solstice, when the days start getting shorter. And I believe it's also in the Gospel of John, when John says of Jesus, 
He must increase while I must decrease. So we celebrate Jesus' birth on the day the light begins to increase. We celebrate the birth of John the Baptist on the day the light begins to decrease. So pagan celebration? Okay, celebrate the winter solstice. But the Christian faith has Christianized these feasts, and it takes into account the creation that God has given us, that God has created, the cycles of the seasons that God has created. Heck, a great many of the Jewish feasts correspond to harvest festivals, Passover, Hanukkah, and others like them. There's nothing overly revolutionary about the Catholic Church taking a pagan feast and making it a feast about Christ, and still being able to tie in biblical and scriptural references that are appropriate to when we celebrate it. So granted, yeah, Jesus was not born on December 25th. Or when people ask me, was he really born on December 25th? I always answer those questions the same way. I don't know. I wasn't there. But this is the day we celebrate it. And it corresponds to a great many things that we celebrate about God the Creator and the world he created, as well as God the Son, born whenever he was born, but whose birth we celebrate on this day. And how do we celebrate it? We celebrate it with generosity, and we celebrate it with worship. The two great pillars of being a part of a covenant people sharing that relationship with God, right worship and charity to those in need. We come and we worship God on Christmas through the celebration of the Mass, and we exercise generosity to one another, and in many cases, with those in need. How many people belong to organizations? Or how many people whose schools engage in activities to collect blankets, clothes, and other gifts for children and families in need? We exercise tremendous generosity during this time, and we come and worship God. The two great points that the prophets are constantly in the scriptures calling the people back to right worship and proper relations with one another, in particular, generosity to those in need. So whenever Jesus was born, this is the time we remember our freedom in Christ, who has come to his people and set them free, and we remember two of the great pillars of what it means to be the people of God. Now, many people, on another hand, bemoan how commercial Christmas has become. And frankly, I don't get that hard on people. I don't get hard on our society for that. We are a consumer society. And yes, it does get a little annoying that in October we start seeing special sales anticipating Christmas. But let's let's look at something here for a minute, folks. We need to get our gifts from somewhere. We don't make them ourselves. We need to get them from somewhere. And there are people who make a living providing these things for us so that we can make a good and even trade for gifts we would like to share with other people. Which do you think is more generous and more heartfelt? Just simply giving them the money to buy something they want or knowing what they want and getting it for them and appreciating the thought that came with it. But we got to get our gifts from somewhere. And there are good people who provide this for us who need to earn a living, who need to keep their businesses afloat, who need to be able to pay their workers who also need to earn a living. And this is a boon for business this time of year. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because what does business and the booming of business and the ability to purchase things from these businesses that provide for us so that we can be generous at Christmas, what does that say about the freedom of this country, the freedom of our markets, the freedom that we celebrate in Christ, which our nation says in the Declaration of Independence, our rights and freedoms bestowed upon us by God which the government 
is supposed to protect. So I don't get very hard on people when it comes to the commercialism of Christmas. We have fun doing this. We enjoy doing it. We look forward to exchanging those gifts and getting together with people. It's a good time of year. It's a great time of year. And our American culture fits beautifully into it. And there's nothing wrong with some people making money on the side. We all have to earn a living. And we do so by exercising generosity, providing sustenance for those who provide it. And what's wrong with very, very early on in the year, October, fostering a sense of generosity that we celebrate each year during the Christmas season? Another thing people will often say is, especially Catholics, because we have a season of Advent which precedes Christmas, and in many ways we don't really celebrate Christmas until Christmas Day. We don't sing Christmas carols until Christmas Day. And our season, Advent Christmas season, begins on the first Sunday of Advent and continues through Christmas up to the Feast of the Epiphany, which traditionally is January 6th, 12 days after Christmas, ergo the 12 days of Christmas. But for the most part in this part of the United States, we celebrate it on the second Sunday after Christmas. And because Christmas is on a Saturday, Epiphany will be celebrated uh, within a week, about eight days. So we won't have 12 days of Christmas. We'll have eight days of Christmas. But that's our Advent Christmas cycle. And we really don't start saying Merry Christmas until the 17th of December when we enter into the octave before Christmas. Prior to that, our readings, our theme and worship is on the second coming of Christ, which is our Advent as Christians. We're not awaiting the first coming, we're awaiting the second. But once we get to that octave before Christmas on December 17th, then the readings and the themes begin to prepare us for the celebration of the birth of Jesus in his first coming, which has already happened. But we still celebrate it every year. And there's where we have those stories of the infancy narratives each day in the Gospels. And actually, it's serialized. It's one upon the other. We begin with the genealogy of Jesus, the next day the, the Annunciation to Joseph, then we get into the Gospel of Luke with the Annunciation to Zechariah, the Annunciation to the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Visitation the next day, the Magnificat the next day, the birth of John the Baptist, down to today, the day before Christmas, the Christmas Eve morning Mass, which concludes with the Benedictus of Zechariah once his tongue was loose and he utters those first words. The Lord has come to his people and set them free. And that brings us right into what we read, what we celebrate, and what we hear in the gospel on the Midnight Mass, which tells of the journey to Bethlehem and the shepherds, and the Mass at dawn on Christmas of the shepherds going to see the infant Jesus and worshiping him and going to proclaim the birth of the Messiah afterwards. So we have an Advent celebration that we celebrate first with an octave before Christmas and then the octave after Christmas in those 12 days up to Epiphany. And many people bemoan the fact that we've lost that. Even as Catholics, we've lost that because of, they say, the consumerism. But I don't think it's because of the consumerism. I think it's because of other holidays that we celebrate as a nation, which in many ways, while not liturgical, fit well into our celebration of Christmas. And what is our Christmas season? They call it the holiday season. I call it the Christmas season because without Christmas, we wouldn't have this time of the year. What is that Christmas season? It begins on Thanksgiving and ends on New Year's Day and has at its peak Christmas. It begins with a holiday in which we give thanks and ends with a holiday in which we anticipate the new year. It begins with a parade in New York and ends with a parade in Pasadena. It begins with a football game or multiple football games and ends with multiple football games. You can relate the two. 
to both people of faith who give thanksgiving to God and anticipate the new year with the rest of the world. We're already in the new year with the first Sunday of Advent. And we can relate to it religiously, giving thanks to God, celebrating the birth of Christ, and on the 1st of January, celebrating the Feast of the Motherhood of Mary, but also celebrating the ushering in of the new year, which in this year will be 2022. So I wouldn't be so hard on the American culture, consumerist or otherwise, and what it has done to this season. In many ways, it is very, very conducive to this season. Giving thanksgiving, exercising generosity, celebrating the birth of Christ, and ushering in the new year. How is that a bad thing? And then those of us who are Christians, those of us especially who are Catholics, also celebrate these high holy days, remembering Advent, are awaiting the second coming of Jesus, anticipating the celebration of the first coming, and spending 12 days celebrating Christmas, which is why, as Catholics at least, while it's very, very common for everybody to get their Christmas tree in time for Thanksgiving and usually leave it on the curb the day after Christmas, traditionally, Catholics get their Christmas tree on the second Sunday of Advent and keep it until the second Sunday after Christmas or until the Feast of the Epiphany, the Feast of the Wise Men Visiting Jesus. But however you celebrate Christmas, keep faith present in it because it is an important day that continues to have an impact on how we live and how we celebrate in this country, the United States. And one thing about Christmas, as a major turning point in the history of humanity, it is something that has not been overcome. The reading from Isaiah says, the light has come into the world, the light has broken through the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And how many times in what people call the war on Christmas, people have tried to undo Christmas, and yet nothing has been able to overshadow Christmas. We say happy holidays, other people will still say Merry Christmas. We get annoyed when people say happy holidays. We have in one of the state houses a satanic group putting forth a satanic image of Satan right next to the manger scene because they want to make their point during a Christian celebration. The only reason we know about it is because the idiot media insists on telling us about it. We wouldn't know it otherwise. So it shows you what impact that has. I object to it, of course, as I hope any good Christian would, but it doesn't threaten Christmas. We should oppose such a thing and hope it stops, but it doesn't threaten, nothing has threatened Christmas. Even two years of COVID has not threatened Christmas. Have you ever noticed nowadays that when our leaders now are coming out with a new variants or new reasons to be worried, uh, whether it's uh, the health inspector in your state, your county, or the nation, or whether it's the governor, the mayor, or the president, couching in their phraseology that if we meet certain conditions, then we're permitted or we're allowed to get together with our family for Christmas, the response is pretty much a collective, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. People are not panicking anymore. Why? Because Christmas is breaking through. We're tired of cowering in fear. We want to celebrate Christmas. Why? Because we are free people. As Zechariah says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. And he says that in direct reference and anticipation to the birth of Jesus, which we celebrate during this season. Jesus is that birth of freedom, whose death on the cross brought us ultimate freedom, over sin and death. And as free people, we recognize in our own Declaration of Independence, our freedom and our rights come from God. And we are celebrating that freedom and that birth of freedom in Jesus during Christmas. And our rights are supposed to be protected by the government. 
not taken away, nor does the government give us permission to exercise those rights. We don't need the government's permission or anyone's permission. Heck, you don't even need the Catholic Church's permission to celebrate freedom in this country. And the 4th of July notwithstanding, with regard to where our country's history is concerned, Christmas is that universal day of freedom. When the light was born, it broke through the darkness, and nothing has overcome that light, least of all the darkness. Christmas is still the reason for the season. Christ is still the reason for the season. Christmas is still the, the primary holiday, regardless of how many other holidays people want to remind us of. During the season, Christmas is the primary season. And whether we celebrate it in a secular way or celebrate it as a religious holiday, you cannot get out of the out of the way of the fact that this is, at its origins, the celebration of a religious event. And it's a Catholic one. A Catholic meaning universal, which means it's an event that has an impact on all of humanity, not just those who call ourselves Christians. And that's what we celebrate here at Christmas. So we don't need the government to tell us we're allowed to celebrate Christmas. We are a free people. We receive that freedom from God a freedom that we celebrate was born in the manger today, the author of freedom, who's come to his people and set them free. And the government's job is to protect that, not tell us we can't exercise it. So yeah, I'm getting a little on the socio-political realm here, but that's because it is so prominent in our media. Gee, thanks, Mr. President, for giving us permission to celebrate something we didn't need permission to celebrate. But given that, I hope you all have a very happy and healthy celebration of Christmas. I hope your families are well. Take it easy, take your precautions, but don't be afraid. We are free, and neither a government nor a virus can take away that freedom we celebrate in the birth of Christ, which Zechariah proclaimed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. And as we celebrate the day of the turning point in European history when Charlemagne was crowned king, as we celebrate the turning point in our nation's history when Washington crossed the Delaware, and I guess some people, okay, if you want to celebrate the winter solstice, knock yourself out. I'll look forward to getting your winter solstice cards and opening your winter solstice presents. We celebrate the turning point in human history and salvation history when the eternal word took flesh in Jesus and was born in the manger. As Zechariah says, the Lord has come to his people and set them free. He's raised up for us a mighty savior, born of the house of his servant, David. And that's a political reference there too. David was a king, in fact. So I hope you all enjoy a happy and holy and prosperous and free celebration of Christmas. Those of you who are traveling, I hope you travel safely. Those of you who are in the hospital or in retirement homes or are isolated from your families, I hope through technology you are able to connect with them. But I hope in the midst of all this, we give some time for the worship of God. And those of you who love to go to the vigil mass because we want to get it over with, let me offer a suggestion to some of you. Why don't you go to the Mass at dawn with your children, telling them when you wake up, we wake up, then we go to Mass, and after Mass we open presents. We can get up, we can look at the presents, we know Santa's delivered them, we're excited to open them, but let's go to Mass first, Christmas morning, rather than getting it out of the way Christmas Eve. That way with your children you make it a part of their Christmas observance, a part of their getting up on Christmas, or better yet, Take your children and your family to the Midnight Mass. 
Maybe with certain arrangements, Santa will have delivered the presents by the time they get back. And we all know how Santa makes those arrangements, don't we? I knew one family in a previous assignment. They always went to the Easter Vigil. They always went to the Midnight Christmas Mass. And I always remember them taking their son, who's a little older now, but he was a very young son at the time, sleeping in his dad's arms as they were walking out of Midnight Mass. That was a family tradition and a very nice one for that family. But I think we need to get away from the practice of everyone in half the population of any town or any parish going to the Vigil Mass, the Family Mass, the Children's Mass, to get it over with. Go to Midnight Mass. Go to the Mass at dawn. Open your presence after you've gone to Mass. Or, open your presence, then go to Mass. With the Masses later in the day. But make the worship of God a part of this celebration. And in so doing, regardless of what other people might say, including fringe Christian groups who for some reason think it's not Christian to celebrate Christmas, we are actually exercising two of the great pillars of people of faith who share a covenant with God, right worship of God and generosity to one another, in particular those in need. And we do that as free people in this country on Christmas and hopefully every day of the year, but we are especially reminded of it as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Whether or not he was born on this day, this is the day in which we celebrate it. So have a good Christmas, a Merry Christmas, a safe Christmas, a happy, healthy, holy Christmas. All the best to everybody, and with any luck, I will talk to you again soon.